You're listening to Where Water Flows Uphill, made possible by the Weld Community Foundation, who encourages us to spread the good. I'm your host, Tim Coons. We started recording this series almost two years ago, and as we've been releasing the episodes, a lot has come to fruition. With that countdown, you just heard the snap of a giant pair of scissors and the ribbon being cut for the new Blink, the Library and Innovation Center in downtown Greeley, Colorado. The Link had its grand opening in May, and it was amazing. All that we've covered and talked about with Wes Bruce and his art installation in the heart of the Link, now you can go see it for yourself. Many of you have. You've reported back to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fabulous. So it's open. You can go see Where Water Flows Uphill, which is the title of Wes's installation. And then after you've had your imagination sparked, you can get something 3D printed. You can uh, record something in the studio they have there. You can get out a chop saw and uh, build yourself something. You could check out several stacks of books. The link, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. I think they have maps for you that they hand out because you can get lost in there. Uh, it's going to be such a gift for our community. We've got just a couple more episodes for you in this series. Next episode, it's going to be about that opening day at the library and uh, some of the stories that came out of that. Uh, it was seriously, it was like watching several hours of people just smiling and being overjoyed. But for today's episode, I wanted to share with you an interview I had with Wes about how he created his water language that is seen all over the installation. Uh, it looks like these river hieroglyphics. And I wasn't sure if I was gonna release this one, but I've heard so many kids and adults asking questions about the language as they've been in there, where it comes from. I, I thought uh, this would be a good listen. There's actually a whole lot that went into the creation of the language that he calls, that Wes calls aqualingua, or the water tongue. It's fascinating. So. Let's head back together, back in time a bit. We are with Wes by the Signature Bluffs out by the Cache Laputa River. And as we walk, I check in with Wes about how the filming of the movie's going, which plays inside the installation. And he started talking about our community and how he's been discovering things that I find so important about where we live. You've been here for a month or so uh, doing all this filming how is how's the process going for the film and then have you also been doing other work on it too the whole process has been so people-centric we've been able to to sort of dive into the the, the best qualities of the of the small townness of Greeley but it still has a lot of the resources of a larger city and it's this really nice sweet spot where there's this tremendous openness to folks to want to offer what they feel excited to offer to this project. It's got this really cool gravity to it and you know Ryan and I are spinning around that, you are spinning around that. Community Foundation has its, its big tug. And then you have people like Tim and Amy at the Clay Center, they're, they're in that orbit. All the people at the Greeley Warehouse, they're in that orbit. Um, there's you know different little school groups that I've met with that are in the orbit. And it just keeps you know, adding these other widening circles of, 
of planetary <laughs> planetary pull and we we're kind of just raving about how great Greeley is for that openness and and so folks have been really excited about the collaboration with no no facade um, that was a phrase from dinner last night also that there's there's no facade with people like if they want to if they want to jump in the invitation is there and if they don't if they don't have time or they don't have interest then they say so but the openness to step into it has been literally embodied by people giving us keys to like so many things Ryan and I were joking because um, we were at the pool around the corner from your house, the bittersweet pool. Did you do the filming at the bittersweet we, pool? <laughs> yeah, we went and did our test shoot. Oh, man. And at that moment, we had we had keys to like five different places. <laughs> the people had literally been like, well, here's a key for when you need to get in. You know, just let me know if you need anything else. So we're like, keys to the warehouse, keys to the clay studio, keys to the music studio, keys to the pool. And of course, you know, we use them and then they go back to their owners. But the the openness and trust from folks to come in and to allow us to be part of their creative family has been so fun. So, I mean, just to let people know, we're at the edge of the river mm -hmm. right now. The wind is blowing real hard, so you can kind of hear that in the back of the mic. Um, there is, uh, is that a cottonwood or is that something different? Looks that, like that's an ash. Okay, that's an ash that's uh, bending out over the river and uh, all, the, all the wind is creating quite a few ripples against the, the brown and light brown of the water. Beautiful. Really nice. In this setting, I asked Wes to tell me about how he came up with his own language that he uses throughout the installation. And by the way, a key or a translation for the alphabet is found at Wes's website, livethecuriouslife.com. I looked that up, I had it on my phone. I actually decoded a bunch of sections in the installation with my kids my last trip there. I had my notebook and my phone and I found where those bits of poetry were and, uh, and deciphered it. It was a lot of fun. Here's Wes. I've been describing it a couple different ways but it's, it's a language that's based on the emotional intelligence, the spiritual metaphor, and the physical texture of water and the interlap and the overplay between all of those. Emotional intelligence, spiritual connection? Spiritual metaphor. Spiritual metaphor. Yeah. And then what was the last one? And then the physical texture okay. of water. And so and that's how you developed the waves and the language? Yeah. Okay. So it just plainly looks like the surface of water. It's very wavy. It's got these little It's really cool looking. Turns. Like it, it has a beautiful aesthetic to mm -hmm. it. And then... The sort of like the, the underlying um, reason for being or like the way that I was motivated to come up with the different letter forms is to go through and just plainly look, okay, like you have the letter A and to go and look at all the different words that are roughly water related with that. And the letter B, letter C, go, to go all the way through you. So you have things like, like the letter B is, is body in that because we have human bodies, but then there's also bodies of water. And then you think, if you describe a body of artwork as well, there's, there's that overlap. Um, so there's things that can hold that, that spiritual metaphor in that, or that emotional intelligence with that. And then you have something like 
one that is a little more um, kind of further afield that gets into like more of the poetics of it where the, the letter K is kiss and that idea that you have like the shoreline and the river kind of always having like this kiss that's happening. It, it rises up and then it falls away and then it comes back together. And at first take, I was like, mm, I got to find a better word for that. But I liked the poetry of it because it sort of takes this human quality that we have this like this fond connection with and puts it onto water and puts it onto land. But water and land has been kissing far longer than human beings, so it then sort of flips in on itself. But you can go through the whole alphabet and connect uh, one of those letters with an idea, and then you can explore through that idea. So once the installation is, is up, there's gonna be some different spaces that will be architectural that you can go through, but we're also gonna print this into, into book form also, where you can go through and almost have like an alphabetical book, and you can see like, a aquifer and then it gets into the metaphor like we all have this underground water source from which to draw from if we know how to tap into it b body you have a body the and water so immediately you're you're tying in physicality of water spiritual metaphor mm -hmm. yeah and then what was the other one there's emotional intelligence spiritual yeah. metaphor and then physical texture so so immediately with within what we were just talking about was physical texture leading to spiritual metaphor and then being able to talk about how you're doing and like mm -hmm. language of your own heart yeah yeah i love it that's, yeah. that's really cool that's so thoughtful yeah it's really fun can i talk about a couple more letter forms yeah please yeah? please yeah. yeah okay so so here is yeah, so a is aquifer, and I can see like that sense of like a beginning, and mm -hmm. then like things pouring out from mm -hmm. it. Yeah, so there's B a is body, and you have it like looks like a little human body. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a little bit of like a hieroglyphic quality mm -hmm. to them, some more than others, and some of them are just like little encapsulated poems. There's this really great author Robert McFarlane who goes through language, and he talks about language being almost scalpel-like sometimes in its ability to be really exact and precise and for a single word to encapsulate you know a, a chronicle worth of ideas so thinking of mouth at first take you think like oh like what is what does mouth have to do with water like maybe you drink within your you know your physical form through your mouth but a mouth of a river is where it pours into the sea. So then you think of that crossover of that, of that spiritual metaphor or that emotional intelligence. Think of your mouth as that place where the river of yourself pours into the ocean or the sea of the wider world. It's, that, it's a meeting point and it's where language occurs. Like that is, that's the threshold. That's this liminal space in between. And without going into all of them, each of those letters has this this greater idea for people to kind of tap into and explore and then from that it it allows you to sort of like reframe your context as i dangle my ipad over yeah, it makes me a little nervous <laughs> and yeah, wes is wes is uh, getting really animated with his ipad and it's 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 dangerously close to the edge of the river uh, How did you first come up with this idea of creating a language 
um, that is intertwined within an installation they do, because you've done this uh, for other installations as well, where, where you'll make a written language. I know that the Denver Children's Museum um, has this language based off of different animals and uh, vegetation, um, that you have the shape of like kind of Rocky Mountain um, indigenous animals and plants. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then it tells us this greater story. Um, where did you first come into that idea for, for doing that and, and why? I found out that the library was really interested in having this idea of confluence, having this really large influence of the river. It just was so obvious. Oh, I need to make the installation focused on the river and I wanted there to be a linguistic element in there. And all the other languages had been pretty widespread in, in terms of like, there's an elk and a raven and uh, an aspen and a thistle, and it was, it was very multi-species. For this project, I, I was like, well, what if I were to dial it in and imagine that the river was almost the keeper and the originator, the creator of the language for the whole thing. So there's, there's this, way of being that the river has with with fluency thinking of like i am i'm fluent in italian or i'm fluent in kenya rwanda to be able to speak these language and say that you're fluent in it is a direct reference of water so the river then is the keeper and creator and and giver i wanted that to be able to be this this source or this gift for people once it's in the installation sort of in a in an emotional tools way. Like one of the goals, the many goals of the, ins of the installation is to give people language to express their emotions, to express their lived experience. If you think of all these different words or these different emotions or these different descriptors as being keys to rooms, if you want to get into a room that's locked, you need that key. And imagine if, if you're trying to get into your home in the middle of the night and it's dark and you're tired and you don't have a, a flashlight to show the key or the, the actual lock and you're trying to get in, it can feel impossible. So we're trying to give people these keys so they can have quick recall as if you just know that muscle memory by heart. Like I can get into my apartment so fast without even looking because I've done it so many times. And the goal is for people to be able to describe their emotional state with some of these words, for them to be able to articulate their inner world as, um, as a weaving, as a braiding into their outer world, to connect those two. And that language becomes a vessel for them to understand themselves better and to understand other folks better. But it's playful. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's fun, it almost acts as this sort of decoder, there's like a game quality to it, um, because there's gonna be this language that oftentimes people think it's a real language when I have them in the, the different installations, because it takes a lot of time to develop the font of it, the way that they flow together. I play around with it for a really long time. So by the time it's actually written out, I know it by heart and I can just write it fluently without looking at the, the key, and then people, get really excited about it and then they'll memorize it as well and it becomes this thing where you can bring home and have that key you know on your refrigerator or use it you know in a summer camp or bring it to school with you um, I'm trying to think of the word for it there's there's an unpretentiousness 
for adults to come into a space like this when it's on the surface for kids. There, there isn't an intimidation to step into like a contemporary art museum. And so you come into this space thinking, oh, I'm, I'm bringing my, my kid here, or I'm an adult and I just wanna check out what this is, but you don't have your guards up. But we're making this thing in collaboration with kids, but at the same time, like I'm processing my whole lived experience as a 36 year old adult through this artwork. So there's like, there's content for somebody that's lived 36 years worth of life in that. You know, we're partnering with people that are in their 60s and 70s. And so their lived experience of all of those different moments, of the different worlds that they lived in, all packed into this. And so while yes, it is for kids, it's secretly just as much for adults with all of that. And they step into it without, um, it's a little bit of like the spinach in the smoothie type of thing. Like we're giving them all this good stuff, <laughs> kind of in, <laughs> in a sly way. The green smoothies are surprisingly yeah, delicious. Yeah, yeah. That, man had, that mango really takes care of it. <laughs> it does. I had an adult, um, a parent, come up to me. Uh, this was in San Diego, and they said, I brought my kid here thinking that this was for them, and then they put their hand on their chest, and they went, but oh my God, like I needed this. And they came into that spot just with the assumption that they were there to just like be on their cell phone for 45 minutes before they got back in the car, but they ended up staying. It was like three or four hours and the kid was loving it. They had their experience and the adult had their experience and then they put them together on the ride home and they were both kind of reveling in their own way and putting it together and they were kind of teaching each other and the kid was revealing things about themselves and their heart and their playfulness and their imagination that they wouldn't have gotten to if the adult had just sat there on their phone. Um, it gave them questions to ask one another. It gave them like this shared eyebrow raise and this like quickness of speech. It gave them energy to talk with their hands a little bit more and then they, you know, they played it out at home. Um, so it gives it gives some commonality and some shared language and some shared experience um, when you can create something that's valuable to all to different generations at the same time. Friends, I hope to see you down at the link soon. Young and young at heart are all welcome in this art installation. After experiencing it, I encourage you, come back to these podcast episodes. Wes gives some background that will make your experience even more rich. This series can be here for you if you want to go deeper. I, I wanted to close with this today. I caught something fun on tape while recording last year that I wanted to share with you all. We've been following Wes. We've been getting to hear from him as an artist, his approach to creativity and problem solving, and the meanings behind the installation. But I wanted to share this with you real quickly, a conversation from April of 2022. And Wes makes an announcement to me. It's a cold, windy day, and I press record while we're still in the car before heading out to the river. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Yeah. I'm really, really great. Good. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear a fun reason why I'm great? Yes. Um, because Zane and I are going to have a baby. <laughs> that's one of many reasons, but that's a top reason. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, that is the best. Yeah, so fun. So how far along is she? Five months. Five months Saturday. so long. Mm -hmm. Do you know yet, boy mm -hmm. or girl? Yeah, it's a little girl, <gasps> and we're naming her Kaya. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, little I'm Kaya. so excited uh -huh. for you. Yeah, we wanted, oh. we wanted to have um, a girl first. And honestly, I, I just love that oldest eldest sister yeah. energy mm -hmm. so much so so much so i mean if uh, mm. if everything god willing knock on every tree mm. but we would love in an ideal world um to have three kids mm -hmm. and we i mean regardless what we were like we would love to have um a girl to yeah. start yeah and everything has been like really smooth so far her she's mm. she loves being pregnant she's really good at being pregnant mm. Good, good. Like, yeah. Kaya was born last year in August and is the sweetest little baby girl. All my kids dote on her like crazy. So much has happened since this series began for Wes, including him becoming a father. Happy Father's Day next week to all you dads and father figures out there. Music on today's episode was from Wes's installation that was created by James Bishop. Thank you to Dave Farrell, faculty member at Ames Community College who helps with sound engineering and mixing. As always, thank you to the Weld Community Foundation who makes this production possible. Head to weldcommunityfoundation.org for more. Thanks for listening to Where Water Flows Uphill, a series from Weld Found. If you're enjoying it, rate the show, share it with a friend.